0: The views expressed on the patient's perspective come directly from patients, so they are not intended to diagnose, treat, or replace professional medical advice. Information coming from the patient's perspective is for entertainment and educational purposes only, so if you have any health concerns regarding yourself or anyone else, please see a physician. The Patient's Perspective is a podcast created by patients for patients and does not focus on any specific disease or condition. Content may make you laugh, cry, and question your moral beliefs surrounding healthcare and the many issues patients run into while in the system. Finally, the most important point of view is cast into the light. The Patient's Perspective. On today's episode of the Patient's Perspective, Kyla and Candace ask the question and discuss is it systems or doctors? Hi, everyone. So I'm sitting here with my co-host uh, Candace, and Candace has a story that she would like to kind of start to start this podcast off about a very recent appointment that she had with an immunologist that I had referred uh to, for her when we met in the mast cell activation group oh this is probably around what 2019 2020 yeah. and around there um I think it's just before the pandemic now that I think about it um
1: yeah it was pre-pandemic yes
0: yeah <laughs> and um so Candace, and I noticed that Candace had a lot of symptoms also of hormone allergy, at least some of the things that she was posting. So that's how Candace and I, uh, for our maybe new listeners or for persons who maybe don't remember, that's how Candace and I first met. And uh, Candace finally had the appointment with that immunologist. So, but she we, it got into the discussion when we talked about how her journey was to get there. <laughs> and... um in the first place. That's how we started asking the questions. Are some of the issues, is it, is it the system or is it the doctors?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great introduction, Kyla. Thank you. And, um, it's good to be back. Um, hello to the listeners. This is our first time recording video. So, uh, Hey, (laughs) good to see you. Um, I, I've been through a journey and and Kyla's been right here with me through this. And and because of it and our connection, she's become one of my better friends. And it's actually how we started to decide we were going to work together and build a couple of businesses. We've talked about these things on previous podcasts. We've talked about this actual story, um, how we met I've talked about my symptoms and what I've been going through on previous episodes of the podcast. Um, It was a lot and um, that's how I found Kyla. I was in a mast cell activation group and in, like she said, about 2019, um, I started to come to the conclusion that I might have mast cell activation syndrome that could also be making my MS multiple sclerosis HS hydrodenitis superativa um, worse through chronic inflammation and allergic type reactions. So I was in this group. Kyla found me. We started working together. I started fighting to get some help and asking for referrals. October 2019. I or sorry, October 2020. I saw an immunologist in my hometown and. This immunologist was very dismissive. Um, My primary care provider at the time listened to the immunologist and assumed that I just had major anxiety and that I was looking for symptoms. Um, To add to this, I already had previously diagnosed hypersensitivity, drug hypersensitivity and chronic urticaria, as well as some other things, hypermobility that really could point toward MCAS. So i i had a very solid reason for thinking i might have this which is why i started in the group in the first place okay so 2020 march 2021 the immunologist fired me my primary care provider and my neurologist because i had asked him if these if i have mast cell activation syndrome and i'm having constant allergic response would the inflammation make my ms worse his response well if that was happening to you yes it would which then when i left that appointment in march 2021 he got on the phone and called my primary care provider this was the first time i met this neurologist my primary care provider had only just met me that year And um, they got together and decided that I was paranoid. That is the actual wording that they used in my medical records and that it was anxiety driving my needs and that I needed a psychiatric assessment. I told them very quickly when I found this out to go ahead and give me that. Psychiatrist, because um, anybody that is in the Canadian healthcare system knows it's really hard to get one of those. So, I took it, and um, it's been great, actually. Uh, that's been an improvement. Just as an aside, um, we've talked about this before. I thought I might have ADHD. Now that's been confirmed, and I'm navigating life a little bit easier good doctors that listen are great. That doctor actually provided some validation for me when I was expressing over the last two years how frustrated I was with fighting through these systems to get a little bit of care for something that I knew was going on. He validated and said to me, that symptom, a ruptured eardrum is not caused by anxiety. And that gave me enough hope to keep fighting. My psychologist told me to build a binder to not stop fighting for my health. And I didn't. And it took until February 6th, 2023 for me to get in to see this specialist. Now the specialist has a long wait list. And so about six months of that wait time would have been guaranteed uh, just because there's a lot of people trying to get in to see this doctor, so that's a part of it. That would have been fine. But there's been a lot of mishandling of my care for whatever reason, whether it be doctors stuck in broken systems who can't provide enough time to get to know a patient. I see my neurologist once a year for five minutes that's not enough time to, to, to know a patient. You have to make a lot of assumptions. The assumption that I was paranoid was damaging to my health over the course of two years. I even had a very bad relapse in 2022, February, which we've talked about on the podcast. It was the very reason that we started, that Kyla and I started the other business, Connected Hearts, helping Canada. We're doing an accessibility consulting firm, but the bigger purpose is systems navigation and patient and care provider advocacy. And we're gonna, we we think that it's both, I think that it's both systems and doctors. Um, Kyla, I think, I think I'm gonna throw it to you now. That's the story of where I'm at now. It was a really good appointment with this doctor. He validated all my concerns, immediately asked me about 10 questions of yes or no. I didn't go in there saying, this is what I think I have. I went in there asking what the heck is wrong with me? Why am I having these symptoms? He asked me a bunch of questions and brought a resident in and said, you know, this patient is having, um, hives and flushing and all these symptoms right before her period. What would you consider that to be? Progesterone hypersensitivity was thrown out there right away. And I said, you know, I've been, that's part of what I've been thinking. And he said, yes, but that's not all you've got going on. Let's confirm this one right now. My forms, the referral form that his appointment, when I finally did get the appointment said MCAS complicated.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He knows what's going on with me,
0: and I—I I mean, I—I I haven't really spoken about this on the podcast. I spoke about it a little bit on TikTok, um, uh, recently, just after I wound up in the hospital after a dentist procedure, um, with with edema of the tongue, just edema of the tongue, nothing else. Like my oxygen was ninety eight percent, right? Everything else was fine, and so the doctor and I were butting heads in terms of how to treat it because. The standard of treatment is just go straight for the anaphylaxis treatments the i v and stuff like that, and I was refusing because um hormone allergy is really complex, and it's because of the fact that in the odd case they have found um that um people were even reacting to corticosteroids because the body might recognize it as too molecularly similar to sex hormones. So I was like, Oh, you stop on that. You the number the
1: one treatment for multiple sclerosis is steroids. Yeah, And I took them once and it almost destroyed me for two years. Yeah. And I, I refuse to take them. And they always roll their eyes at me when I say, no, I'm not going to take these steroids because yeah. the other option is plasma plasmapheresis, uh-huh. which is like dialysis, and yeah. they're like, You don't want that. So, yeah. well, honestly, they've been doing that a long time and you're not putting chemicals in me to do that. So Yeah,
0: maybe. so I mean we're we're getting off a little, you know, on what we're what we're supposed to be talking about, but um we discussed this. Like I I many of us noticed a pattern I was in both mast cell activation and progesterone hypersensitivity groups at the same time. And it was, or, or sorry, it wasn't originally, somebody in the progesterone allergy group says, hey, have you ever heard, heard this is years ago, like like fourteen or something, have you ever heard of this disease called mast cell activation? And I this is when I'm keeping track of all my kids' hypersensitivities, heat, sun. My kid got bitten by mosquito bites. The youngest, he would, his whole arm would blow up, not just a little bit, like the whole arm would blow up. And, and so I was terrified of him ever getting like a bee sting. And so I look at the list of mouse cells, and it's bug bites, it's heat, sometimes hormones. I was like, shit, you know, this is us. So, and then we started noticing that there might be a correlation somewhere if they are seen together or if they're one of the same disorders. We don't know, right? But there is some sort of like they're circling each other in some type of way. So that's all I wanted to kind of to say. Is yeah, if, I think in the future we're going to see those two disorders collide in some way, right? Um, so, anyways, getting back to this, um,
1: but complicated disorders, people with complicated things really struggle in these systems, and yeah. and that's kind of what we need to.
0: So and and like you, I believe a mixture. So, I mean, you, you can't blame just the doctors and you also can't just blame the system because doctors have personalities <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, you, when, when there's freedom of choice and and different personality types, you're going to run into, um, I mean, there's narcissists, for example, are in every profession they're in every single profession, even yeah. doctors. However, you and I have spoken behind the scenes before that, most doctors, I think, and most medical professionals, nurses, etc., they get into it because they want to help people. And I think we can't deny that. They they, they don't go in uh, wanting to screw their patients over. <laughs> they- no, I
1: think you have to be a certain kind of good human to put yourself through the rigmarole that it takes to become a doctor.
0: Yes, So, so majority of physicians and nurses, et cetera, do not have narcissistic, you know, um, personalities, et cetera, or psychopathic and going in there to purposefully harm people. Um, So that's where the, the, the systems come in. However, like I have stated in previous podcasts and on TikTok, et cetera, I have huge reservations now after my experience in terms of um the training especially in psychology and just as, as soon as you think you know something <laughs> that's when you should be questioning the most because just when you think you know something you don't and and it's it's how do you get it across to physicians and medical professionals that there's a healthy form of skepticism in terms of maybe what you're thinking a patient might have. Right. Right. Um, Now, again, when to play devil's advocate, because I do that often, I try to put myself in their position. They've gone to school. They've dedicated what, 10, 15 years to this, you know, um, there's that status and that's kind of pushed a lot. We'll get into that, I think, that at, you know, in terms of the status of having this, um, not label, this distinction yeah, of being distinction a doctor or a,
1: really good word, yeah. being a
0: psychologist or a psychiatrist. <sighs> and well, I yeah. have the education. We've already have spoken about that's
1: that. The highest order. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's great. But you need to take that down a bit, you know, and yeah. and get off that pedestal. Because you're going to run into patients such as myself um, that um, you're going to be wrong about. Yeah. And, and
1: and that, uh, you know, one thing that I've noticed and that I, I it's it's that there's there needs to be more degree of trust between trust and respect, between doctor and patient, this, the, the word relationship denotes that that is what it is. And a relationship requires reciprocity, right? So it's not, it's not that you don't work for your doctor. Your doctor works for you. And I feel like sometimes doctors forget that because they are taught that they are the authority on health. And I believe that to be problematic, it needs, it needs to be that way in some cases. And, but in some cases, you have an intelligent human being who has taken decades of their own time doing the research for you. <laughs> into sources whether you're willing to hear it out or not you can verify what they have to say all it takes is a little bit of googling now doctors don't like to admit that they use Dr. Google come on but they very much do and should doctors that don't frighten me right because there's such advancement in in the medical field and and in what we know because of being able to connect all these researchers around the world and and all of the anecdotal evidence bring it together. Hey, we're seeing a lot of anecdotal evidence. Maybe we should do a study on this, right? So the dismissal of anecdotal evidence, that's laughable for me. I, I, you know, I do hear other people out Um, because in my experience it's helpful to hear from others that you're not alone you're not crazy I mean to be told for me right to be told that I was manifesting these very serious symptoms very scary symptoms just because I was anxious. When I've not been on any psychiatric medication for about 15 years, um, I was misdiagnosed in my opinion as having bipolar disorder, where a lot of women were finding out who have been diagnosed with ADHD later in life, did not were, were actually misdiagnosed as having bipolar disorder. So for a lot of years, I kind of took on that my mental health was not where it should be.
0: So obviously, if you mix the person, different personality traits, the way physicians and nurses are kind of trained, and again, this distinction of almost like they're higher and above people, which is not, um, it's true in terms of the literature it's maybe not true in terms of the experience. And so that is, uh, um, so, so they can talk about all the reports, even though I can probably find some, I'm sure that they know more of the reports, et cetera. Um, but, but yeah, patients, it's the actual experience, right? Of whatever condition that it is. And if you mix that with a system where there's no time, yeah, not enough resources. I mean, it's no wonder people are falling through the cracks or being kicked in. Right, right. Doctors are stressed, nurses are stressed, um, patients are stressed. Everyone starts fighting with each other, <laughs> or 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 being combative. Me too. I'm not. I'm or not
1: irritated. Like- right. <laughs> they're walking around irritated because they're overtired. They don't. They they can't help anybody because they're trying to help everybody mm-hmm. and it's got to be overwhelming and maddening for them. I can see it. My primary for whatever reason there's been a lot of, a lot of dropped referrals, missed referrals sent to the wrong place. I mean, that's part of what took so long for my weight there was decisions made to put a pin, put a pin in it. I asked for the referral to the very specific doctor that you actually recommended for me and um, the one that I've now finally seen. But I was told, yes, it takes a month because of the the overwhelming systems to get back in to see your doctor, even as a follow-up like this is shit going on right now and needs to be addressed, but you take a month to see your doctor again. Right. And then I finally got to see her and she says, Oh, I put a pin in it. Well, I, I very strongly think that that anxiety could be at play here. So then, you know, I wait more and more and more. So that was a decision. But then when she finally decided, yes, I will put the referral in for you after I had to gather um, a systems navigator and a social worker to fight for my, right to be cared for after I was going through all of the shit in February 2022 with my relapse they, they fought for me to put the referral through but being so overwhelmed and having to do all your referrals and your letters at the end of a, a long work day that has extended into your work night or into your family time then you have to do all your stuff at the end of the day your paperwork the letters get lost the referrals get sent to the wrong place and and nobody's held accountable. It's been two effing years of me fighting for something that is very serious and should have probably been treated sooner and because, because of mismanagement. But that mismanagement also has to do with the fact that there's no fucking time to do any of the things
0: mm-hmm. that are
1: needed to be done. And so I don't fault the doctors always, but there's also like these choices that are made that are, you know, like if you don't have time, I mean, you better make make quality use of that time and 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 trust your patient a little more because you're just dragging things out. Like,
0: so going back to this trusting, you know, patients uh, issues, um, and again, it I always pick on psychology, but I, I truly believe that. You know however many years psychology has been around for i think it's like what 100 in and around there um or more like the
1: analyzing like, of people yeah, yeah i would, I would have it yeah. i think it's in around 100
0: um we have to realize that they're based on literally ancient um conditions and ancient problems if that makes any sense mm-hmm so um i question a lot of validity of uh, in terms of the actual diagnoses of many of these mental health conditions at this point in time and i think a lot of people do so like like and that's why myself i'm a little bit of an advocate of almost getting rid of the dsm and just starting something else completely from scratch.
1: I was um, just about to say, well, I think it's maybe more the validity of the diagnostic tools.
0: Yes. So I, I would love to get rid of that book. And it's not that I don't believe mental health disorders exist or that there shouldn't be any diagnostic criteria. Um, I, I don't believe there's the amount that they say there is in that book. <laughs> and and I believe many of the conditions are explainable Um, through what we now know with new diagnoses such as progesterone allergy, such as perfect example of this. Or let's even,
1: let's touch on the spectrum,
0: right? Yeah.
1: Neurodivergent brains. We're, we're starting to n- make correlations between systemic and autoimmune issues and sens- hypersensitivity and hyperintelligence, you know, yeah. and, 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 and things like these disorders actually... You know, we know that folks on the spectrum are often highly intelligent in specific areas. There are multiple areas or, you know, maybe there's a deficit and they, we call that a disability. But
0: maybe you have really... to look at what the culture of the world was when these diagnoses were created. So and you see a lot of this on TikTok where people come back with the history like I didn't know until recently that schizophrenia um was um uh mostly put on like African Americans. You know and and then you look at other disorders and you look at them and you're like this kind of looks like um uh, something that a husband would put on a wife to put her in the psych ward back in the day if he just didn't want to deal with her anymore. So then you have to start questioning like, what are the relationships of some of these doctors with their wives? Like, like where where did this come from? <laughs> like what era was this was this created? <laughs> like a little, never, thing, you never
1: analyze the folks trying to analyze you, right? <laughs> 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 but this is the culture, okay, so let's go back to that. You mentioned culture, yeah. and I think um when when you were talking culture, I was connecting the the mental health diagnoses and these di- like the diagnostic tools you know and and the our medical records and this is the systemic thing how how this works right like i was I was diagnosed with bipolar by a walk in clinic doctor in college when I went in complaining about how bloody well frustrated I was right and and fine but I believed that because I was of the mind that you know the doctor is the authority on my health and I was very young I didn't I didn't know that I needed that I was going to end up I didn't know that I was going to end up so ill that I was going down constant rabbit holes and and as I learned to research while I was studying in college and university that it would allow me to research better into my own health right So I took on this diagnosis. But the thing about it is, is those little letters at the top of the page, every time you go into a new appointment, you are overshadowed with their assumption of you before they even lay eyes on you. They look at your chart and they're trying to diagnose what the heck is going on with you before they even ask you any questions. You know, because they don't have time to hear your life story. Yes, they, just I mean, want, they, they just want to get their, they need to get their job done because there's another patient that's bleeding in the next bed. Yep.
0: And, and that's why it's that combination. The, the combination yeah. of all these factors is just detrimental, right? Like um...
1: When I have emergency room doctors telling me from the bottom of their heart that I'm falling through the, the cracks... And that they're sorry, but they've got to move on. No. Uh, February, February 2022.
0: And now, and we, oh. we have to look at this thinking, and you said it almost in your intro, and I wrote it down to make sure I would come back to it. Okay. Um, you know, doctors um, thinking that you were looking for symptoms. <laughs> and the reason i want to come back to this is you know i'm speaking to all the the medical professionals out there the, the perfect example um and this is what i say like as as physicians as medical professions prof- professionals you also do this <laughs> just in a way that can work against the patient so you're not absolved of this behavior either and that's why there's so much misdiagnosis out there OK, perfect example of this is what happened to me at the dentist. And, you know, I'm talking about that because this is the most recent case yeah, and it's actually recent. on TikTok. Yeah. It has been filmed. OK, yeah. I I went I had I split up my um, dentist appointments to remove my wisdom teeth. One was infected and had been for about five years. I was extreme risk of abscess. You know, they, they said you have got to get that out because it's like there's almost nothing left of the tooth. Right. So. I finally went in. I had always avoided it because I always had inflammation in my mouth. And if you have edema conditions, one of the biggest triggers that can land you in the hospital is a dentist appointment. This is seen mostly in hereditary angioedema where they are digging into the mouth and somebody has a reaction and they can swell up to the point that they actually have passed away. So I've always have kind of been nervous about going to um, the appointments. Also, to listeners out there, if you know my history, uh, I am a um, sexual assault survivor. And so the person covered my face with blankets. So I am very, um, I, I don't like even blankets over my face. Okay, so Candace and I are going to start crying here. <laughs> um, so I, I even sleeping, I don't put blankets over my face. So anything in my mouth, also with the edema and all these breathing issues in my lifetime, the last thing I want is any kind of breathing issues. And so I get flashbacks at dentist appointments. I've had one when I had a cavity fill. I I do not like it, Um, but I had to get this tooth out, these teeth out.
1: And you know that stress is going to increase your histamine levels and cause already get your body geared up for a reaction. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm in the dentist's office, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm talking to the, um, to the hygienist, right? And I'm my anxiety is really skyrocketing, and I had filmed myself ten minutes before my appointment on TikTok. So this is why you can see this. I'm starting to ramble. I'm talking about the fact that I have sinusitis, which is dripping into my throat. I'm getting, I'm getting panicky. I'm not going to be able to breathe, etc. So we decided we're only going to do one side, because. Yeah. So she froze one side and I said, that's enough. Do not, cause do not freeze the other side. And yeah. I'm feeling like I can't breathe. So they rip out the teeth. Everything seems to go okay. Even though I'm still telling my parents a little bit at the house, like I've covered with them that I couldn't breathe as great, but I'm thinking this is normal. What was kind of interesting is when I was at that appointment, the hygienist, the odd time, and she's not a mean lady at all. She was kind of smirking at how anxious I was. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about, um, cause and they even said they hardly ever get patients with that severe of anxiety in their chairs. What they told me, they said most people with this amount of um, anxiety would go to the hospital and get taken out. You know like literally with, with, um,
1: I uh, like, like getting locked
0: out, right? <laughs> but we had to do this manually so I don't have the money. So I was awake for the whole thing. And they were very lucky they popped out in about 10 or 20 seconds. I was very lucky. You know, it's because they were fully erupted, right? So I'm like, okay, well, that actually wasn't so bad. So then we waited a month and I went for my second one. So I'm a little bit nervous. I'm like, okay, well, nothing happened the first time, you know, and I'm again talk about it on TikTok, etc. I go this time, get it done, and I get home, and it does not feel like the first time. My tongue swelled, and I was hospitalized with edema in my um, tongue. So here's the thing. If you would see me on the first appointment, and that's all you saw of me, you would just assume that I was anxious and had mental illness. Right. What you didn't realize until that second appointment was the fact that my anxiety level is at par with the type of condition that I have. Right. I know when I get, like, because I've, I've swelled after my, my ovaries were removed. I swelled, like, my mom said, Kyla, my mom was there for the second appointment. She wasn't there for the first. She said, Kyla, because I didn't want to say anything. The second they administered the um, anesthetic, she goes, your entire face and chest went red Wait. immediately. Oh, my God. And so she goes, I didn't know if that was normal. She goes, I didn't, I, just, I didn't say anything. But she goes, you went red immediately. And that's what the anesthesiologist told me after my ovaries removed. I woke up to him being hyper, to the nurses in the recovery room, telling them to watch me. Because she, she just went red instantly. that That's what I heard when I first woke up. Very, very sensitive skin. She went red instantly. And so now there's been two people that have seen that. And again, the the last part to calm down was the spot that they poked my tongue. So with the anesthetic. Okay. Right. So that's what people don't realize. If you only saw that one video, you just assume I had mental illness. But it actually was at par because I know me best and I know that I react to almost 50% of the time. There's a 50, 50 chance I'm going to have a reaction. And so so how anxious you're going to be.
1: This goes to not having enough time to, or even not taking the one minute that it could have taken to address your anxiety in a compassionate way. That first visit and ask you why, you might be so anxious. Is it, you know? I mean, and, I, and, I
0: told them. I mean, I didn't tell them about the sexual assault and stuff like that. But I, I, I did tell them, you know, I, I have chronic anaphylactic type symptoms. And, but everyone just, okay, that's, they, don't, they never think it's no. going to be them. That's Right. The- they
1: haven't experienced it. They haven't seen it. They don't, you know, and they don't understand that that is the most, like, maybe they've never had their throat closing their tongue swelling the feeling of impending doom that happens when you feel you could lose all oxygen supply it is scary as hell and if they haven't had that personal experience they have no idea what you're going through but even to try to understand could help you know like it's it's awful to feel brushed off like that. And that's something that we have happened constantly as patients. And we, I still don't know if that is, it's, I think it's both systemic and not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think, I think patients and doctors, it, it comes back to trust. We need to start to understand that even if the patient has mental illness, they probably know that. They probably know when their mental health is starting to spiral unless they're the kind of patient that requires hospitalization. Now, that in and of itself is another systemic issue because we've got no friggin' beds and there's no money put into mental health care. So, I was doctors, checking and doctors know this, no. right? Doctors know this. They know that some people who are just delusional, actually medically delusional and they they cling to like there are actual hypochondriacs on this planet that um, that need that validation of something is wrong in their in their psychology but if if you know me if you google me if you google me if you ask a moment about who I am I'm a performer I'm in the public I'm highly educated all of those things I couldn't I couldn't be a chronic volunteer. I couldn't do all of these things and be as social as I am and still be completely delusional and need all that. why would I need all that attention? I don't need any more attention. I don't need to take away from the good parts of my life to fight for my health and work full time doing things that maybe doctors should have the time to do. Mm
0: -hmm. And that's why we do need... We need doctors and we need therapists to have the time to listen to our life stories. That is and the-, the
1: time to take care of themselves, that's another thing. Because they wouldn't be so pissy, sorry, they wouldn't be so irritated all the time, they wouldn't be so running on ego, and just and, and they often gaslight because they need to get you the hell out of there. Don't don't waste my time with your with your nonsense of like it could be some rare disorder. Mm-hmm. It's, and you're just anxious. Yeah. Get out of my office. I have other patients to see. Now, they don't realize that that's how they're behaving because they're so run down
0: absolutely like but like this is exactly what i you know what i agree with like i said with the exception of the odd narcissist or a psychopath which you will find in any profession you know yeah um,
1: any anywhere <laughs> I, I carry some of those traits
0: uh, positions by the way so i'm they a would performer be the, yeah they would the, the highest positions you know um of yeah. ceos and stuff like that actually have the the highest um uh, well it takes it takes a degree of narcissistic
1: traits to be able to be successful. You, you have to steamroll some people in order to, and it's awful, but that's how our systems work. Oh, we're back to systems. Yeah.
0: So with that said, do you want to, we only have about five more minutes. Yeah,
1: you know what? I think, I think we should give it up to our listeners now. I think um, I think our listeners will have a lot to say about this, and I really hope that they express um what they want to hear further on this topic because i don't think this is a topic that is ever going to end until we are able to rock some systems and i guess that's why um kyla and i plan to do some systems navigation for folks Um, and uh maybe some of our listeners want to help on that front too so let's just let's talk about all this systems doctors good doctors bad doctors let's praise doctors too Let's let's try to understand and have some compassion for them because they are overworked, not just in our country, in many. Um, these systems have to change. The way we take care of our fellow humans needs to change.
0: Yeah, I mean, one thing I've learned is, you know, if, if you don't have health, you don't have much. And if you don't have health on a society level, then you don't have a society. Like, there won't be any society left
1: and so we're all patients right every single one of us in the world is a patient and so i think i love i love the name you chose for this podcast the patient's perspective i think we need more discussions and i think we need to come together more i think that's what's going to change and make the world a healthier place
0: with that i think we're going to end on that note and I hope that all the listeners out there um you'll tune in. You know, we're 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 very excited. We got some I got some new equipment on my end and we're we're hoping to get the podcast moving again. And with that, everyone, have a great day. Bye for now. Bye. I'm so happy you were able to join in and listen to us today. If you have an episode idea or would like to share your story, please email me at info at com, or join our Facebook page under the same name. From all of us who are working hard bringing patient issues to light, thank you for tuning in and supporting The Patient's Perspective.